0: hello and welcome to tabling the podcast my name is ariana carp and i am here with a wonderful group of actors as they take us by the hand into the dirty taverns of king henry the fourth part two and also at one location that isn't a dirty tavern or a street Um, but we'll get to that this is act two of king henry the fourth part two we just ended with the rebels regrouping at the end of act one They're sort of rallying and figuring, okay, well, we'll make a second attempt on the king. And then we open act two, um, probably in a a street somewhere in East Cheap, which is where the hostess has her boar's head tavern. And she has put in a suit to have Falstaff arrested. We're going to find out why that is in a few moments. Take it away.
1: Master Fang... Have you entered the action? It is entered. Where, where's your Yemen? It's the lusty Yemen? Will it stand toot? Nera, uh, where's
2: Snare? Oh, Lord, aye, good master Snare. Here, here. Snare, we must arrest Sir John Falstaff.
1: Yea, good master Snare, I have entered him in all. Oh, it may chance
3: cost some of us
1: our lives, for he will stab alas the day take heed of him he stabbed me in mine own house most beastly in good faith i cares not what mischief he does if his weapon be out he will foin like any devil he will spare neither man woman
2: nor child i can close with him i care not for his thrust no nor i neither i'll be at your elbow and i but fist him once and i come but within my vice
1: i am undone by his going i warrant you He's an infinitive thing upon my score. Oh, good master Feng, hold him sure. Good master snare, not infinitely to pie-corner manhood to buy a saddle. And he is indicted to dinner to the lover's head in Lumbert street to master Sooth's a uh, silk man. I pray you, since my exon is entered and my case so openly known to the world, let him be brought in to his answer. "'A hundred mark is long one for a poor lone woman to bear, "'and I have borne and borne and borne "'and have been fubbed off and fubbed off "'and fubbed off from this day to that day "'that it is a shame to be thought on. "'There is no honesty in such dealing "'unless a woman should be made an ass and a beast "'to bear every knave's wrong. <gasps> "'Yonder, here comes.' and oh that errant momsy nose knave bard off with him do your offices do your offices master fang and master snare do me do me do me your offices how now
4: whose mare is dead what's the matter
2: i arrest you at the suit of mistress quickly
4: oh way violet Draw about us. cut me off the villain's head Throw the queen in the
1: channel. Throw me in the channel, I'll throw thee in the channel. Wilt thou, wilt thou, thou bastardly rogue, murder, murder? Ah, thou honeysuckle villain, wilt thou kill God's officers and the kings? Ah, thou seed rogue, thou art a seed, a-, a man-queller a- and a woman-queller. Keep
2: them out, A rescue, a rescue.
1: Good people, bring a rescue or two. Thou, what, what, thou, thou, what, what, ah? Uh, do, do, <laughs> thou rogue. Do, thou hemp seed.
5: Away, you scullion, you rampalion, you fustelarian. I'll tackle your, I'll, I'll tickle your catastrophe.
0: Okay, great. Let's pause there for a second. <laughs> wow. <What>? So, <laughs>
6: we just have, like,
0: totally utter utter chaos um utter utter chaos um I, i i love this so the hostess is a character who frequently makes very strong um statements and uses the wrong words she's one of shakespeare's really great malaprop characters and by malaprop just kind of means she uses the wrong word when um, a, a, another a character, like this is Dogberry in, in, in Much Ado About Nothing. There, there's many of these. Um, and so some of these uh, f- things, if, if you're going from her, I am undone by his going, I warrant you, he's an infinitive thing. This is a malapropism for infinite thing. <laughs> um, <laughs> let me see. Where's another one? Um, um, he, com- continuantly. Continuantly. <laughs> Uh, for incontinently or continually um indicted for invited exion for action
1: exion that's how you say it cool
0: yeah and then we've got uh <laughs> bastardly for dastardly um honeysuckle instead of homicidal <laughs> um and uh honey seed again for homicide yes indeed and yes, hemp seed for homicide. She she really struggles with homicide, but anyway, she um she's a phenomenal character, and she also says things that are super inappropriate frequently that she doesn't even realize she's saying super inappropriate things. Uh, for example, in Henry the Fourth, Part One. Falstaff says oh she's an otter she's neither fish nor flesh a man knows not where to have her and she very proudly responds thou or any man knows where to have me um (laughs) uh, you know and and there's there's quite a lot of innuendos associated with her do me do me do me your offices like almost (laughs) everything she says is like an innuendo um which is why I just think she's super super delightful and and then when Falstaff comes in he immediately calls her a bod or a hussy with throw the queen in the channel um I love this phrase whose mare's dead which kind of just means okay what's all the fuss what's all this this hullabaloo <laughs> <Maybe>. um <laughs> I love that mare's dead? <laughs> anyway so what are what are your observations oh dear actor readers uh on the the scene so far <laughs>
4: I would love to see the fight uh, choreographed. I think it would be so much fun. uh, I think Falstaff's like a pufferfish. He like you know immediately when threatened, he puffs up and probably throws Bardolph right in front of him. He's probably hiding (laughs) through most of the fight, I would imagine. But um,
0: oh, I like that. I like that image, and then the page, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, just becomes like the most valiant.
5: He finally uh, snapped, man. He snapped.
0: <laughs> well, and the "I'll tickle your catastrophe." That's so essentially good. Essentially means I will make your bottom tingle, <laughs> which is like kind oh, of gosh. a a weird a weird thing to say, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> um. But catastrophe catastrophe here meant end point, which I think is, is kind of hilarious. Um,
1: (laughs) anyway, um, Sam, (laughs) any, tell us about the hostess. Yeah. So it's, well, I, I really appreciate what you said about, um, how she she kind of has similar qualities to dogberry cuz i i kind of see her as like a mix between dogberry and then the nurse from romeo and juliet yeah. where she just like goes on and on about stuff which we'll also see later on in the scene and we're just like what is she talking about <laughs> um yeah no it's it's a hell of a way to start the second act and she just like she's a force to be reckoned with but also is not at the same time like yeah. it's it's yeah it's it's really interesting and it's interesting like trying to read for her now too and try to yeah. you know en- encapsulate all that especially just over audio <laughs> oh know?
0: it's great you're do- you're doing wonderfully it's, it's oh thanks a really I was fun um it's a really fun scene i just love
2: this scene
1: <laughs> yeah i'm just here for the compliments so thanks ari <laughs> <laughs>
0: um i also just love the the naming in this play of master fang and master snare and the folio um fang is spelled uh p-h-a-n-g which is also (laughs) just like really cool like hey i'm fang um fang and snare and then later we're gonna get moldy and feeble and wart and shadow and bullcalf um they're definitely tavern names oh yes Absolutely, absolutely, and and you know I think it's like he's seeing opportunities to create characters with names because he didn't he didn't really he gave us like there's this wonderful Tom Dick and Francis reference at the beginning of the tavern scene in Henry the Fourth Part One, but it's like now we're just the tavern folk just become even more colorful with their names and their sort of behavior, Um, yeah wunderbar any other just observations on this on this this first little section
6: until i, oh, I no, had please. a
7: thought that as uh, hal takes a further departure from falstaff does and liam you can totally correct me if i'm wrong but does the page become almost a manifestation of what used to be the hal falstaff jibing relationship?
0: interesting interesting
7: and and you know in this play hal is referred to not as prince hal but as the prince yeah and so i almost wonder if the page is like <clears throat> he's there the heart of hal them. that he left behind with mm. Falstaff.
0: that's really nice i like that a lot and 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 because actually we don't see hal that much in this play either it's almost like we do need a sort of young Sort of whippersnapper to sort of take up the reins of being very witty and able to to go back and forth with Falstaff. I think you're absolutely right. Um, there's an interesting, you know, there's the the whole exchange in in part one between Hal and Falstaff where they're just insulting each other's size. And uh, Shakespeare really has a thing against skinny people. It's really funny. Like he saves his most um, his most, uh, cutting, um, insults for thin people. Um, it's funny. That's like the way he talks about Caesar talks about Cassius. And, uh, we were just reading King John the way that, um, the bastard talks about his obviously very skinny brother. Um, he makes a coin joke that like, if he was that skinny, he would be afraid to walk around because, People would think he was a sixpence or something like that. It's a very strange antiquated coin joke. Um, But it's like you have to now we have to have Falstaff calling the page you giant. And there's like a different kind of, you know, there's a different kind of visual humor with this relationship that like the page has to be, I think, very, very small. Um, It's short in order for there to be this this fun visual contrast
5: but yeah that's a really good note uh, Noah. yeah just and it's also like arguably like the like immature side of how so it's you know it manifests really in this young boy yeah okay yeah.
0: <laughs> who's also a bit laconic a little bit like like how was in in the <laughs> first in the first part yeah. or restless maybe is the word i'm looking for um Yeah. Wonderful. So we have just this absolute utter chaos. I imagine there's like, this fight is happening on a lot of levels, like maybe snare or fang has like grabbed one of Falstaff's legs. And is like, I just see this being a very comedic encounter. And then as at the peak of undignifiedness, in comes, of course, the Lord Chief Justice to witness more of Falstaff's shenanigans. Um, so let us go into the brawling and debt section.
3: <laughs> what is the matter? Keep the peace here, ho! Oh. But my lord be
1: good to me? I beseech you, stand to me.
3: How now, Sir John? What are you brawling here? Doth this become your place, your time, and business? You should have been well on your way to York. Stand from him, fellow, wherefore hangst thou upon him?
1: Oh, my most worshipful lord, and please your grace, I am a poor widow of Eastcheap, and he is arrested at my suit. For what sum? It is more than for some, my lord. It is for all I have. He hath eaten me out of house and home. He hath put all my substance into that fat belly of his, but I will have some of it out again, or I will ride thee a night like a mare.
4: I think I am as like to ride the mare, if I have any advantage of ground to get up.
1: How
3: comes this, Sir John? What man of good temper would endure this tempest of exclamation? Are you not ashamed to enforce a poor widow To so rough a course to come by her own? What is the
4: gross sum that I owe thee?
1: Mary, if thou wert an honest man, thyself and the money too. Thou didst swear to me upon a parcel-gilt goblet, sitting in my dolphin chamber at the round table by the sea coal fire upon Wednesday in weeson week, when the prince broke thy head for liking his father to a singing of a uh, man of Windsor, thou didst swear to me then, as I was washing thy wound, to marry me and make me, my lady, thy wife. Canst thou deny it? Did not good wife Keech, the butcher's wife, come in then and call me Gossip quickly, coming in to borrow a mess of vinegar, telling us she had a good dish of prawns, whereby thou didst desire to eat some, whereby I told thee they were ill, ill for a green wound. And didst thou not, when she was gone downstairs, desire me to be no more so familiarity with such poor people, saying that ere long they should call me madam? And didst thou not kiss me and bid me fetch thee thirty shillings? I put thee now to thy book oath. Deny it if thou canst.
4: My lord, this is a poor mad soul. (laughs) And she says up and down the town that her eldest son is like you. She has been in good case, and the truth is, poverty hath distracted her. But for these foolish officers, i beseech you i may have redress against them sir john sir
3: john i am well acquainted with your manner of wrenching the true cause the false way it is not a confident brow nor the throng of words that come with such more than impudent sauciness from you can you can thrust me from a level consideration you have as it appears to me practiced upon the easy-yielding spirit of this woman, and made her serve your uses both in purse and in person.
1: Yea, in truth, my lord.
3: Pray thee, peace. Pay her the debt you owe her, and unpay the villainy you have done with her, the one you may do with sterling money, and the other with current repentance.
4: My Mm -hmm. lord, I will not undergo this sneak without reply. You call honorable boldness impudent sauciness. If a man can make curtsy and say nothing, he is virtuous. No, my lord, my humble duty remembered, I will not be your suitor. I say to you, I do desire deliverance from these officers being upon hasty employment in the king's affairs.
3: You speak as having power to do wrong, but answer in the effect of your reputation, and satisfy the poor woman.
4: Uh, Come
3: here hostess. Now, Master Gower, what news?
6: The king, my lord, and Harry Prince of Wales are near at hand. The rest the paper tells. As I am a gentleman.
1: Faith, you said so before.
6: As I am a gentleman.
4: Come, no more words of it.
1: By this heavenly ground I tread on. I must be feigned upon both my plate and the tapestry of my dining chambers.
4: Glasses, glasses is the only drinking. And for thy walls, a pretty slight drollery. All the story of the prodigal, all. The German hunting and water work yeah. is worth a thousand of these bed hangers and these fly-bitten tapestries. Yeah, let it be ten pounds, if thou can. Come, it were not for thy humor. There's not a better wench in England. <laughs> Go, wash thy face and draw the action. Come, thou must not be in this humor with me. Dost not know me? Come, come, I know thou wast set on to this.
1: Pray thee, Sir John, let it be but twenty nobles. In faith I am loath to pawn my plate, so God save me, la.
4: Let it alone. I'll make another shift. You'll be a fool still.
1: Well, you shall have it, though I pawn my gown. I hope you'll come to supper. You'll pay me altogether.
4: Will I live? Go with her? With her? Hook on, hook on? Uh,
1: will you have doll Tearsheet meet you at supper?
4: No more words. Let's
3: have her. I have heard better news. What's the news, my lord? Where lay the king tonight?
7: At Basingstoke, my lord. I hope, my lord, all's well. What is the news, my lord?
3: Come all his forces back?
7: No, fifteen hundred foot, five hundred horse are marched up to my lord of Lancaster against Northumberland and the archbishop.
4: Comes the king back from Wales, my
3: noble lord? You shall have letters of me presently. Come, go along with me, good master Gower.
4: Uh, My lord! What's the matter? Master Gower, shall I entreat you with me to dinner?
7: I must wait upon my good lord here. I thank you, good Sir John.
4: Sir
3: John, you loiter here too long, being you are to take soldiers up in the counties as you go. Will you sup with me, Master Gower? What foolish master taught you these manners, Sir John? Master Gower,
4: if they become me not, he was a fool that taught them me. This is a fright-fencing grace, my lord. Tap for tap, and so far fair.
3: Oh, now the lord lighten thee! thou art a great fool. Beautiful,
0: lovely, lovely. Um, how fun. So, poor hostess, she goes from him owing her so much money to borrowing him, to lending him more money by the end of the scene and inviting him to dinner. Mm-hmm. She's, just, she's a very nice woman come on girl nice stand woman. up for
1: yourself <laughs> i know right it's like come on
4: <laughs> who can resist the charms of <laughs> John
1: yeah it's pretty remarkable
4: <laughs> she lost before she started
0: yeah exactly she really- uh, <sighs>
6: i um oh, I, I panicked i didn't know if that was one oh. of the roles i missed i was like oh that must be me oh so oh I'm no so, i'm so sorry i was
7: just watching them and having a great time and then i realized <laughs> oh that's me
0: <laughs> oh shit! it's my line so okay so we have uh, the justice come in and sort of keep the peace um what, what what were what were your thoughts, Rhoda, on this this little this little moment with
3: the? You know, I'm still thinking about what Marty said yesterday about how it's kind of like Abbott and Costello. You know, yeah. the, the, it's like the justice is like he can't quite take in Falstaff. It's just he, <laughs> it's just too there's too much dissonance, you know, yeah. between his reality and Falstaff's reality. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah. yeah.
0: I I completely agree. I think it's sort of like, like Falstaff is just this remarkable creature that kind of lives in his own world. And there is a, there is a level of frustration, I think from the Lord chief justice, that's also kind of mixed with amusement and surprise at like every time Falstaff says something, because he's, he's so very good at, um, at just wriggling out of situations and obligations and responsibilities and always making it somebody else's fault. Um yeah. You I'm know it's a MAGA it's... rally.
4: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> <clears throat> Little uh
4: was... oh yeah go ahead Marty. It's political. Yeah. I thought it was like going to a MAGA rally. Oh, like, yeah, uh, yeah, a rally. Yeah, yeah yeah
2: yeah.
0: And again, you know, I love the, a poor hostess, you know, I will, I will ride the nights like the mayor.
1: <laughs> I mean, she
2: Come just on, does, she does this to herself.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> and it is, it's
0: amazing because she really just doesn't know what she's saying. I, I think, think it works so well when, when, you when that is the case, Sam, just what you said, like when she will like boldly say these really dirty things and just have absolutely no knowledge that she's just said them well she's yeah
1: yeah she she just she commits to the bit every time like there's no hesitation (laughs) to the bit um I love the the
0: little details about her the dolphin chamber and the round table and the sea coal fire like it just paints this is very different imagery than um what we got with rumor and what we got with um the sort of mythic uh trojan imagery of northumberland. Um this is this is very sort of quotidian imagery of mm. of um Little little comforts, little everyday comforts, um, oh, and yeah. I had to look up sea coal fire because I didn't know what that was. And this is apparently um, this was mined coal of very high quality that was sort of washed in by the by the sea. Um, oh. She seems to have a very nice
1: place. It's so sad that she just does, <laughs> has to. She pawn works. All she of works so stuff. hard, and also yes. just this whole the whole speech where she's describing exactly where Falstaff proposed her? question yeah. mark kind of I feel like she sees it as just like this very lovely romantic moment between the two of them and then he goes and f's off other places and she's like <laughs> the the woman left behind I don't know like it's yeah it's 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 funny it's very detailed and romanticized but she's still kind of saying nothing at the same time it's oh it's,
5: yes
0: you know and then the the vinegar and the shrimps and of course he wanted some of the shrimps but you told him no it's not good to eat seafood after you've just wound been wounded and like all these little things you're just like such tiny little details that sort of create this very kind of I don't know very detailed baroque kind of vision for us because of course we have to remember when these plays were staged they didn't have elaborate sets Mm -hmm. they basically had uh, to quote Rodney Cartier, uh, the head of drama at Lambda, they had two entrances, a balcony, uh, a balcony and a reveal that was a set for every single show. So nobody's going when these plays were written to see elaborate, beautiful, innovative sets. Um, cause it would be the same, it would be the same one every time. <laughs> Uh, I
2: think she really loves Falstaff, does she? Oh, really I think so, too. Him? Oh, she definitely does. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but I mean, who else does she have to choose from? <laughs> right? Oh, the, the, the Pickens
1: are real slim. Like
5: Bardolph. <laughs> Bardolph. <Bartle. Bartle. clears throat> the Night there of is, the Burning Lamp.
0: The Night of the Burning Lamp, yes. There is, Uh, and she is the one who sort of gives the unofficial eulogy uh, for Falstaff and Henry V. And it's one of the most touching... Mm-hmm beautiful little speeches um it always it always brings a bit of a tear to my eye when i hear it judy dench did it so beautifully in the kenneth branagh um henry v from the late 80s it was just lovely but she's a she's a character that has she has quite a lot of longevity i mean she appears in in these three plays, and then I could be wrong, but isn't she also in Merry Wives of Windsor yeah, as well? Yeah,
1: her, her, and, her and Falstaff both are.
0: Yeah, so she gets four whole plays. she That's like just as good as Margaret, which is kind of amazing. Um, <laughs> there's not a lot of characters that, that, are, that appear in four plays, and there's a reason they appear in four plays, because they're compelling enough, I think, to be on the stage for four plays. So that's kind of fun.
4: Um wondering like towards the end I mean, actually throughout the entire scene it's like Shakespeare's splitting your focus. And oh, yeah. Um, but especially here we're like and things happen in those yeah while our attention is elsewhere. Like Falstaff calls are over and by the time we see them again, he's wrapped it up in borrowing more money from us. <laughs> and uh and then I get a little confused about Falstaff's like attention gets shifted to The justice and to Gower, and why is he asking Gower to come dinner? You have dinner with him. Yes,
0: I have got an answer for that. It is very confusing. So I think it's like we just get the little bit where the justice, um, where Falstaff takes her aside, and something very small is said, a very short amount of the for the justice and Gower's first line, and then uh, Gower gives the justice a letter. Which he's then reading while we have this little interaction between Falstaff and the hostess. Then the hostess leaves, and then um, the justice says, I've heard better news. And Falstaff is asking him, What's the news? And the justice completely ignores him and keeps asking Gower questions. And Falstaff keeps trying to get his attention, and um, the justice just will not answer him. And so then when Falstaff finally gets to the point where he says, my Lord, and then the justice turns and says, what's the matter? You immediately turn to Gower and completely ignore the justice because that's exactly what he was doing to you. So then, um, you know, the justice is asking you questions. You're completely ignoring him and talking to this, his, his sort of serving man, Gower. And, um, and then justice says, who taught you these horrible manners and instead of answering him you again direct to master gower if they become me not he was a fool that taught me them obviously meeting here you taught me them because you completely ignored me so there's this really fun i think it makes the most sense with staging this if you have a, a nice little triangle and it becomes very very clear who each person is talking to and who's ignoring whom and then poor Gower's just there like um thank you but as you probably just heard I (laughs) have a job to do (laughs) um so there's yeah that's it's it's a fun little thing which I think is is much easier to understand when staged um than through (laughs) um than through this this little little bit but um, any any other observations or, or questions or queries about, about that first scene?
7: I just had a small observation that at least it seems to me, and I may be wrong, but the majority of the stories told, not the story seen in mm-hmm. Shakespeare about Falstaff are from the hostess. And she does a lot of that world building for as far as like, here's the things he keeps doing. And often yeah. it's to kind of... You know, put the kibosh on his behavior. But it, it also seems to that ultimately in Henry Five, when she gets to also tell the end of Falstaff, mm. it's kind of comes full circle.
0: Absolutely. And she she's actually a remarkably reliable narrator, if sometimes a distracted one. Um, but she's very, she's quite reliable. Like she says, things for example in the second little shorter tavern scene in part one to the prince about what Falstaff has just said and Falstaff completely denies having said it said it and then you know asks Bardolph I didn't say that did I Bardolph and Bardolph's like no you did you did <laughs> um so in a weird way it's like Falstaff is the most when he's with other people he's sort of the, the least reliable uh he's he's the biggest liar but when he's alone with the audience, he's, he's quite honest and, and, and quite intimate. Um, and that's a really interesting combination for a character to have. Um, it almost kind of, it, it kind of fits the villain profile, but he's definitely not, he's not a villain. Um, I don't think, I think there were, there was a sort of puritanical, like, uh, interpretation of him that was a little bit, over the top <laughs> for a while. But I, I, I think he's he's too full of life to be a, a villain. Um,
2: Ariana, is it a loaded moment when the hostess asks the fall staff, will you have Dalte or she can meet you at supper? I don't know the characters So is that a loaded moment or- Oh, that that's actually, I have, I
1: actually have the same question. So that's yeah, nice.
0: that's a great question. I think, um, again, I think this is the hostess just being very very naive, um, but so Doll is most definitely a prostitute um, who likes to frequent. Um, she's very good friends with Mistress Quickly, and it's like Mistress Quickly has like no idea that she's a prostitute. So she's like, "Oh, do you want to have that nice girl over? We could have dinner with her." And then Falstaff's like, "Oh yes, yes, yes! Bring her. Let's let's have her." Um, so there's a there's an interesting it's like you promised to marry me but also shall I get you that that one woman that you really like (laughs) so that we can all have dinner together (laughs) so so it's it's a bit of a naive moment for her there as well I I think so I mean that would be my interpretation that like you just really like doll you call her sweetheart you really you're very attached to her and you know, when they, when they, when they sort of fight, you're always saying, oh, you too, you always fight, but you're going to make up. It's going to be fine. Um, so I think there's,
2: yeah, I think it's, I, yeah. To, cut to, that, cam- it's like a, to camera reaction. He's like, yes. Oh yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs>
0: exactly. Oh her. Yes, please. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I mean her, do- her name is doll tear sheets because she tears, sheets so um so subtle Shakespeare. very subtle very 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 subtle um wunderbar okay so then this is our first moment with prince hal where's he been all this time according to the hollow crown he is in a spa (laughs) (laughs) this doesn't have to be in a spa it could also be in the first in the first place where we saw him in part one or on a street or wherever but here he is with his
2: good chum poins
7: before god i am exceeding weary
2: Is to come to that i had thought weariness does not have attached one of so high blood
7: faith it does me though it discolors the complexion of my greatness to acknowledge it Doth it not show vilely in me to desire small beer? Why,
2: a prince should not be so loosely studied as to remember so weak a composition.
7: Belike, then, my appetite was not princely got, for, by my troth, I do now remember the poor creature, small beer. But, indeed, these humble considerations make me out of love with my greatness." What a disgrace is it to me to remember thy name, or or to know thy face tomorrow, or to take note of how many pair of silk stockings thou hast with these, and those that were thy uh, peach-colored ones, or to bear the inventory of thy shirts, as one for superfluity and another for use." But that the tennis-court keeper knows better than I, for it is a low ebb of linen with thee when thou keepest not racket there, as thou hast not done a great while, because the rest of thy low countries have made a shift to eat up thy Holland." Not God knows whether those that ball out the ruins of thy linen shall inherit his kingdom. But the midwives say the children are not in the fault, whereupon the world increases, and kindreds are mightily strengthened.
2: How ill it follows, after you have laboured so hard you should talk so idly. Tell me, how many good young princes would do so, their fathers being so sick as yours at this time is?
7: shall i tell thee one thing points
2: yes faith and let it be an excellent good thing
7: it shall serve among wits of no higher breeding than thine go to i stand the
2: push of your one thing that you will tell
7: mary i tell thee it is not meet that i should be sad now my father is sick albeit i could tell thee as to one it pleases me for fault of a better to call my friend i could be sad and sad, indeed, too.
2: Very hardly upon such a subject.
7: By this hand, thou thinkest me as far in the devil's book as thou and Falster for obduracy and persistency. Well the end, try the man. But I tell thee, my heart leads inwardly, that my father is so sick. <laughs> and keeping such vile company as thou art, hath in reason taken from me all ostentation of sorrow.
2: The reason!
7: What wouldst thou think of me if I should weep?
2: I would think thee a most princely hypocrite.
7: It would be every man's thought, and thou art a blessed fellow to think as every man thinks. Never a man thought in the world keeps the roadway better than thine. Every man would think me an hypocrite indeed. And what assities your most worshipful thoughts to think so?
2: Why? Because you have been so lewd and so much engrafted to false stuff. And the By this light, I am well spoke on. I can hear it with mine own ears. The worst that they can say of me is that I am a second brother and that I am a proper fellow of my hands. And those two things, I confess, I cannot help. By the mask, here comes Bardolph.
0: Wonderful. Um, I just want to want to take a pause here and this is um so Noah you played Prince Hal in part one how is how is this Prince Hal different than where where we left him at the end of uh part one
7: I mean this is so this scene is really what drew me to think that the page is this kind of divorce of the uh the divide that Hal has in part one it's it's the page becomes the wit and the cleverness and the revelry of falstaff mm-hmm. and this one becomes the remorse of being with these people mm-hmm. and and it's a weird a weird parallel to draw but as i was reading through the scene the first time i uh, i i made me think of inception and the Cillian murphy character mm-hmm. where all of a sudden at the end he goes from loving this mentor who's not quite a falstaff character, but is this loving, kind guide who is not his father, to loving his father, who is this kind of dark figure in his 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 raising.
6: Mm-hmm. And
7: and all of a sudden he, he becomes assessed with becoming his own ruler, he, you know, kind of this imitation of his father, but just better. Mm. And and I, I I I may be wrong, but I I almost wondered if there was some influence in that movie. Be that what I may, but from this,
0: well, I think Mister Mister Murphy. I would love to see his Prince Hal. O M freaking G, yes, that would be amazing. He's just like one of my favorite actors. Um, I I like that though, that there is a sort of. Um, I think something changed in Hal after he killed mm-hmm. Hotspur. I think he mm-hmm. had to take on something about Hotspur by killing him. Um, and I think it changed him. And it, I think it's why we we don't really see this sort of really jokey Hal anymore. It's like something about, you know, they, they, they say um, in Henry V at the beginning, the two clergymen who are trying to get him to invade France say... You know, the wildness, his wildness died with his father. And it's like he took on his father's austerity when his father died, which is a really interesting kind of image um, that he kills the wildness. um, And he, you know, to quote uh, part one, he becomes more himself, um, whatever that is. But I, I think there is something very weary and melancholy about him. And I don't I don't think he's completely comfortable in this role um at all um
7: for me it recontextualized the choices that I made before when you directed me um where it was kind of like the ending was a turning away from my father and and a love like this this welcoming of Falstaff this acceptance of who Falstaff was
0: Mm. and for Mm -hmm. me
7: this scene especially this scene kind of tells me that 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 last scene with Falstaff was more a a goodbye to the love Mm. of Falstaff
0: yeah yeah
7: and the ending the very ending was an acceptance of himself as his father's son
0: yeah I, i i i like that a lot um and i think it's interesting that he chooses to go and hang out with our lovely points um who was the instigator of much of the merriment and is sort of the guy who you need an extra costume he's got it you need a a spare joke for the day or practical joke he'll come up with one in a second at the end here I just like this the last section of the scene I just called points just must have an amazing costume closet because um, he's always like suggesting, okay, well, what if we put on different clothes? <laughs> it's really great, um, uh, Ellen, my dear. Uh, what were your observations of of Poin's?
2: Yeah, this is my first time reading this scene, and so I reread it again just now as we were we were talking, and I was just struck by like how well <laughs> how well written it is, um, but how like <laughs> um, just like how strong the friendship is, and just like how immediately I recognize this friendship dynamic. Um, and it's got to be like just so much fun to play but um no I just I I had to like go back and make sense of like why did he think he was a hypocrite and why would he call him a hypocrite for being sad and like they kind of had this back and forth jib jab about being sad because his dad was sad I don't know this play very well so
6: I was trying
2: to go back and make sense of that so he's Hal's father is sick but he's Hal's like I am sad, but I can't look sad on the outside because I'm a manly prince. But obviously you know I'm sad because you're my chum. Yeah. And yes,
0: and I think the other element of this is that um he would seem to be a hypocrite if he was sad because he's the crown prince and he's the heir to the crown. So if his father dies it means that he gains everything. Yeah. Um so in that way he would be kind of a hypocrite if he was if he was sad and again it's 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 fascinating right um that 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 acknowledgement of of um that the sort of dynastic successions should somehow be more important to him than his personal feelings about his father um, is yeah, very okay. interesting to me yeah um,
2: that was, that was
7: interesting i mean his father is obsessed with dynastic succession as well yes
0: completely completely and the past um, which I think he, he lives almost more as we get to know him more and more and more in the past and talks about Richard, whom he deposed with more and more frequency. Um, and uh, yeah, um, it's, a, it's, a, it's an interesting friendship though, the, how in uh, points, because you definitely get a sense with, with points. And I actually, I loved what you were doing with the voice there ellen because you definitely get the sense that poins is quite a bit more posh than the rest of the tavern folk like that he is most likely the youngest son of a nobleman so he was never going to inherit any land or anything but he had a good education and was well brought up and that's probably why he knows how um but uh, you know he's definitely i think we get the sense he is not working class um as opposed to bardolf and nim and pistol and um although Pistol is the most explosive lyrical imagination um, and language in the play, I would argue. Um, but yeah, he's, he's definitely, and, and that also creates a lot of tension between Poins and Falstaff as well, because I think they frequently are vying for Hal's attention.
2: Um, he says that he's the second brother. Does he liter- mean that literally, like he's the second born? Or yeah,
0: he- it would be like the younger son. So he's just not going to get any land and he's got to figure out how to make money.
2: Is he, is he Hal's best friend? Is he what's their
0: relationship? Kind of, yeah. I mean, we see them. I think Hal's best friend is probably always Falstaff, huh. but he I think that Poins and Falstaff are constantly vying for that best friend spot. <laughs> <laughs> okay.
7: Um, I yeah. don't know if this helps, but when I was doing the first part, of Henry the Fourth, there is always this thought that Hal loves false stuff, but he likes points. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, they've got a
0: great back and forth. <laughs> yeah. Um. So I would love to move on into our next section, which is I have entitled "Firebrands and Parish Heifers." Um, which you'll you'll see the reference reminder but in comes our wonderful bardolf whose face is made fun of more than maybe anything in the entire play (laughs) because he's got a very red face probably because he drinks a lot no And then we have our wonderful little, little, little page who Hal hired to um, be page to Falstaff. So in they come and some shenanigans happen.
7: <laughs> and the boy that I gave Falstaff. I had a me from me, Christian. <clears throat> and look, if the fat villain had not transformed him ape. God save your Grace. And yours, most noble Bardolph.
2: Come, um, you virtuous ass, you bashful fool! Must you be blushing? Wherefore blush you now? What a maidenly man-at-arms are you become? Is it such a matter to get a pottle pot's maidenhead?
5: He calls him. He calls me even now, my lord, through a red lattice, and I could discern no part of his face from the window. At last, I spied his eyes, and methought he had two holes in that in the alewife's petticoat, and so peeped through. Has not the boy profited?
7: Away, you horse and
8: upright rabbit!
7: Away! Away, you rascally Alfea's dream! Away! Instruct us, boy. What dream, boy?
5: Mary, my lord, Alfea dreamt she was delivered of a firebrand, and therefore I
7: call him her dream. A crown's worth of good interpretation! There tis, boy. (laughs)
2: Ah, that this blossom could be kept from cankers, while there is sixpence to preserve thee.
8: And you do not make him be hanged among you, the gallows shall have wrong.
7: And how doth thy master, Bardolph?
8: Well, my lord, he heard of your graces coming to town. (coughs) There's a letter for you.
2: Delivered with good respect. And how doth the Martelmas, your master?
8: In bodily health, sir.
2: Mary, the immortal part needs a physician, but that moves not him. Though that be sick, it dies not.
7: I do allow this wen to be as familiar with me as my dog, and he holds his place. For look you how he writes. John
2: Falstaff, knight. Every man must know that as oft as he has occasion to name himself, even like those that are kin to the king, for they never prick their finger, but they say, there's some of the king's blood spilt. How comes that? Says he that takes upon him not to conceive. The answer is as ready as a borrowed cap. I am the king's poor cousin, sir.
7: Nay, they will be kin to us, or they will fetch it from Japheth. But the letter. Sir John Falstaff, knight, to the son of the king nearest his father, Harry, Prince of Wales, greeting!
2: Why, this is a certificate.
7: Peace. Uh, I will imitate the honourable Romans in brevity.
2: (laughs) He sure means brevity and breath, short-winded.
7: I commend me to thee, I commend thee, and I leave thee. Be not too familiar with points, for he misuses thy favour so much that he swears thou art to marry his sister Nell. Repent at idle times as thou mayest, and so farewell thine by yea and nay. Which is as much to say as thou usest him, Jack Falstaff with my familiars, John with my brothers and sisters, and Sir John with all Europe.
2: My lord, I'll steep this letter in sack and make him eat it.
7: (laughs) That's to make him eat twenty of his words? (laughs) But do you use me thus, Ned? Must I marry your sister?
2: God send the wench no worse fortune, but I never said so.
7: Well, thus we play the fools with the time, and the spirits of the wise sit in the clouds and mock us. Is your master here in London? Yea, my lord. Where sup's he? Doth the old boar feed in the old frank?
8: At the old place, my lord, in Eastcheap.
7: What company? Ephesians, my lord, of the old church. Sup any women with him?
5: None, my lord, but old Mistress Quigley and Mistress Daw Tearsheet. What pagan may that be? A proper gentlewoman, sir, and a kinswoman of my master's.
7: Even such kin as the parish heifers are to the town bull. <laughs> Shall we steal upon them, Ned, at supper?
2: I am your shadow, my lord. I'll follow
7: you. Sirah, you, boy, and Bardolph, no word to your master that I am yet come to town. There's for your silence. I have no tongue, sir. And
5: for mine, sir, I will govern it.
7: Very well. Go. This dull tear-sheet should be some road. I warrant you, as
2: common as the way between St. Albans and London.
7: (laughs) How might we see Falstaff bestow himself tonight in his true colours, and not ourselves be seen?
2: Put on two leather jerkins and aprons and wait upon him at his table as drawers.
7: From a god to a... bow A heavy dissension. It it was Jove's case. From a prince to apprentice. A low transformation. I shall be mine. For in everything the purposed must weigh with the folly. Follow me, Ned.
0: Lovely. So... (laughs) Thank you, Bardolph. Oh, Bardolph, so drunk. What's wonderful is that the Bardolph in part one also made that vocal choice, which is wonderful. We're going to have some fantastic continuity. Um, I was (laughs) going to throw a
8: Teddy Kennedy uh, pickup every now and then, but (laughs) I changed my mind on that. (laughs) Um, Tell us about good old Bardolph. What do you want to know about Bardock?
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, just what are, your, what are your observations about him and his language and how he relates to the other other characters? Oh, he
8: de- he's definitely, uh, I mean, he's a product of Falstaff, yeah. I mean, it's, it's fa- Falstaff, <laughs> yeah. the, the, the staff that he hires are people that will yeah. s- sit down and have a drink with him and get drunk with him. So it makes sense yes. that these people are always <laughs> in liquor. Um, which yeah. is funny though, because I, the page is it doesn't seem to be so because the page starts making fun of Bardock. Um, yeah, which is sort of interesting. But I I really like what what's the uh, when he says he's dressed him as an ape or whatever. What's that line?
0: Oh yeah, yeah. he's uh, trans. So Falstaff <laughs> yeah. had the 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 boy of him when he was he he gave him the boy when he was still Christian and and look if uh, Falstaff have not sort of started maybe the he started walking like Falstaff or beginning to his uh his um behaviors
8: I just see him as like coming into this ridiculous costume
0: (laughs) yeah (laughs) he did say he was gonna give him really horrible clothes in the first scene so maybe maybe the poor page comes in and like is just dressed in rags you get this um, tiny little page <laughs> in
8: like this ridiculous costume and then like the drunk yeah. fart off. <laughs> and those are the two messengers. I love it.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, I love that you call him a rabbit too. Oh yeah. A little uptight rabbit. <laughs> um, it's, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty fun. Um, and then this Ephesians, my Lord of the old church is like, what's really funny about that, their little page is you're, you're essentially giving a very fancy name to like very old drinking companions, <laughs> right? So you're saying, oh, yes, these wonderful people who are all kind of just like Bardolph and just perpetually drunk. Whereas another um, character in Henry IV, part one, called them purple-hued malt worms because their noses are always in malt liquor. Oh, um, nice. Such a good, such a good... Um, one so the old boar what's fun about also the old boar at the old frank is the the old frank here means kind of the pigsty and the the bar that the mistress quickly owns that we're always going to is the boar's head so it's almost like Falstaff has become the boar's head like he's just he's taken on that tavern and it's just become his own um yeah and we have another because it's poins we have a new plot and we have a new trick and we have a new way of catching falstaff in a embarrassing way which is sort of seems to be poins great delight in life (laughs) um wonderful any any final observations about this this lovely little scene before we go back to the percy family
5: so is the page is, is he more uh, more naive, I'm guessing? Because uh, it seemed for me that he was, like, perceptive early, but man, now I'm getting a different sense completely.
0: That's a really interesting question, Liam. I I think he's actually quite knowing.
5: Okay.
0: I think he's gotten to the point where he's starting to lie like Falstaff lies. You gotcha. Know, he embellishes the truth in the same way that Falstaff embellishes the truth. Um um also <laughs> interesting to note, Noah, that the even such kin as the parish heifers are to the town bull in the in the folio, that's a question mark. As if you're you're yes. asking that uh to the okay to the little page, um, which I think is very fun.
4: Um so what was that um kinswoman, one of oh. his kinswomen? So they're
0: related essentially like a proper gentlewoman, an honest woman of of good breeding, which which poor doll is definitely not, you know. So so he's, I think, embellishing
5: so you think it's a lie that quite a bit. More, more sense and then those. um,
0: and a kinswoman, like she's related. She is of the same kin as my master. And then the prince is saying in the same way that um the matronly cows are all related to the town bowl, essentially. Um, so the page that is trying to
4: make it sound better than... Uh, yeah,
0: I think so. A barkeep so. and a whore. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I think, you know, It's I think it's an extension of the Ephesians, my lord, you know. Like, oh, he's meeting with learned people who are all drunks. you know. And he's meeting with a kinswoman, a woman of good breeding... Who tears sheets for a living? You know, like there's a there's an interesting little little polish that I think the page puts on all of these um, people. <laughs> yeah. Um. So so far we've been in prose the whole time, um, and now we're gonna switch and we have this lovely little gem of a scene that's in verse. That's only about uh, two pages long, but we're gonna get a, a wonderful sort of last look at the at the Percy family. Also interesting to note that Lady Percy in part one also appeared in act two, scene three. It's like very, there is something to me that is remarkably similar about the structure of this act two to part one, act two. Anywho, ending with a a giant
6: tavern scene. So have fun, Percy family. I pray thee, loving wife and gentle daughter, Give even way unto my rougher fares, Put not you on the visage of the times, And be like them to Percy Troublesome. I have given o'er, I will speak no more. Do what you will, your wisdom be your guide. Alas, sweet wife, my honour is at pawn, and but my going nothing can redeem it. But yet for God's sake go not to these wars. The time was,
1: father, that you broke your word when you were more endeared to it than now. When your own Percy, when my heart's dear Harry through many a north would look to see his father bring up his powers, but he did long in vain. Who then persuaded you to stay at home? There were two honors lost, yours and your son's for yours. The God of heaven brighten it. For his, it stuck upon him as the sun in the gray vault of heaven, and by his light did all the chivalry of England move to do brave acts. He was indeed the glass wherein the noble youth did dress themselves. He had no legs that practiced not his gait, and speaking thick, which nature made his blemish became the accents of the valiant for those that could speak low and tardily would turn their own perfection to abuse to seem like him so that in speech, in gait, in diet, in affections of delight, military rules, humors of blood, he was the mark and glass, copy and book that fashioned others and him Oh wonder him, O oh, miracle of men, him did you leave. Second to none, unseconded by you, to look upon the hideous god of war in disadvantage, to abide a field where nothing but the sound of Hotspur's name did seem defensible. So you left him. Never, oh, never do his ghost the wrong to hold your honor more precise and nice with others than with him. Let them alone. The marshal and the archbishop are strong. Had my sweet Harry had but half their numbers, today might I, hanging on Hotspur's neck, have talked of Monmouth's
6: grave. Beshrew your heart, fair daughter, you do draw my spirits from me. With new and ancient over- to
3: let the nobles and the armed commons Have of their puissance made
2: a little taste.
1: If they get ground and vantage of the king, Then join you with them, A rib of steel to make strength stronger. But for all our loves, First let them try themselves. So did your son. He was so suffered. So came I, a widow. And never shall have length of life enough to reign upon remembrance with mine eyes that it may grow and sprout as high as heaven for
6: recordation of my noble husband come come go in with me tis with my mind as with the tide swelled up unto his height that takes that makes us still stand running neither way fain would i go to meet the bishop but many thousand reasons hold me back. I will resolve for Scotland, there am I, till time and vantage crave my company. Lovely, thank you
0: very much. Um, what are what are your thoughts about the, the scene in the, the Percy family?
6: Well, Northumberland has to answer to these two women and, and it feels like um, redeem himself and... and mm maybe
0: absolutely absolutely i just i just love this lady percy speech there's something the way she talks about his his blemishes and his gait um just so personal like she she is very she's very she's not remembering him with with rosy glasses Mm -hmm. she's sort of there there's a very um uh realistic way that she understood and knew her husband and all of his yeah dads.
1: well and i think something with lady percy in particular that i fi- i've always found interesting when you look at her interaction with hotspur in part one and then going forward to this scene is that she she wasn't a woman that idolized her husband you know he yeah. wasn't like it, she, i think in a lot of ways I should be careful saying this. I mean, I think a lot of ways, in terms of their interactions with each other, they were on very equal footing. Mm-hmm. Um even though obviously we see in part one that he doesn't make her completely uh privy to what his plans are. But, you know, she's and I think it's why she was such a good match for Hotspur, is that she there's a lot of strength in her as a person. Um, and she's very smart and uh very savvy to kind of the art of war which I think is where this where uh this whole speech comes from aside from the fact that you know she's mourning the loss of her husband yeah kind of mourning the loss of her husband at the fault of of, really at the fault of Northumberland and his um (laughs) lack of uh support
0: absolutely i think you're absolutely right and thank you so much sam for bringing that up that it's something that we talked about a little bit in, in in part one that there is more military vocabulary spoken by lady percy in part one than any other character in the entire play which is really extraordinary to me and one of just the sort of more wonderful shakespearean sort of singularities that of course the woman who's never been on a battle battlefield we get the sense that she is an army wife like she knows the vocabulary she knows about the different the, the four different types of cannon that she talks about she's familiar with these these terms and she proves here that she's also familiar with military strategy and tactics um, and it tells us a lot about her and her upbringing i think what what i kind of forgot and what i have frequently forgotten is that she's actually a A first cousin of the king she's a first cousin once removed of the king yeah she's a a mortimer yeah she's a mortimer um so this this is her 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 family is um her brother is the person that they were trying to put on the throne which would make her you know in the royal family but also she kind of already is in the royal family because she's sort of her parents are the first cousins of king henry the fourth so again i think just this to me just emphasizes these history plays as as family dramas um they're about extended families and all of the uh complications that occur in a family and it, it and you know it's it's remarkable that we get this speech from anyone and most of all from uh from hotspur's widow um
1: yeah absolutely and something. <sighs> I'm not, I, it's in reference to actually something I texted you about earlier, Ariana, um, (laughs) which I'm not going to say what I was specifically what I was listening to or the production I was listening to, but I was doing some research earlier and was just trying to re-familiarize myself with uh, Henry IV part one and was listening to um, Kate and Hoff's scene specifically. And I just, I think it also speaks to a bigger problem that we find in the history plays and actually kind of, it's what, Ari, I feel like we were commenting on during Dames of Thrones and highlighting all of these Mm. incredible women in the history plays is that there's this like tendency and I don't know if it's just with women across Shakespeare as a whole or specifically in the histories, but there's this tendency to make them very weak women, yeah, very weak and naive and lacking the strength that they would inherently have being a part of these royal families and being women of this time um and i think you know it's speaking to what i said before in terms of lady percy's strength and why it makes her such a good match to hotspur um anyways i had i yeah it was something i was listening to it earlier today and was getting increasingly frustrated by very (laughs) um safe and unrealistic choices that i was listening to this uh Mm. actor do (laughs) in this recording um might it
3: also
2: have been a tribute to uh elizabeth the first to have a woman who knew military strategy Mm. oh absolutely military knowledge it would have been important to please
0: the queen yes absolutely that's a wonderful point and i mean she you know she rode out in, in armor and was kind of a remarkable sight to be seen on the battlefields. Um, and we, we only, I think I I could be wrong, but I think we only get one, uh, sort of fierce female. Well, I guess two really, if you count Hippolyta in Midsummer Night's Dream, who's technically an Amazon. Um, and, and then, uh, Joan in Henry the Sixth part one who actually gets the pretty badass fight scene but that it's not a it's not a common thing. I'm sorry, what Marty?
4: The, the Lumnia is a pretty tough customer.
0: Yes. Yeah, <laughs> she, is <That's> right. <laughs> she is indeed. I mean, she some of the stuff she says, you're like, "Oh my
8: god. Mm-hmm. You would
0: do that? you did what? You said yeah. what about your son?" And of course there's, you know, the Cleopatra. There's all these sort of force field uh incarnate of female characters that we encounter in Shakespeare. But, but it's interesting to me that, you know, she only appears in this one scene in the whole play and she just sort of comes in and it's almost like this, this ode to Hotspur, but also a kind of reality check for Northumberland about, mm-hmm. are you seriously worried about going back on your word now when it meant so much more when you went back on your word just about a couple days ago when your son was alive and you abandoned him? Um, and it's interesting i i amber and and Danny, maybe you can uh speak to this, but i I get the sense that Northumberland isn't entirely convinced by the end of the scene, but that he's like well on his way to being convinced um it, it, just that that line about being at a s at a still stand which here uh, wonderfully means a standstill <laughs> very very useful
2: um okay. yeah. Well, I don't I, know. Like, I,
6: okay. no,
2: I think I understand Lady Northumberland to um, say, well, do what you want to do. But then after Lady Percy's speech, I think she's saying,
3: go to Scotland, get out of there. Um, yeah. Wait until the time is right. I, I think she's persuaded by what Lady Percy says.
0: Yeah, right? I, I agree. I very much agree um it's it's quite a speech <laughs> yeah um it's quite a speech
1: um well, and they're all grieving as well yeah like that's kind of the the that's the really interesting thing about this is seeing there's a there's a difference in how all three of them are grieving mm-hmm. i think mm-hmm. in terms of what the way that Northumberland is trying to strategize and then the way that lady Northumberland is actually just taking a step back um mm. and I don't, I mean, I don't, I don't know. Maybe it's, maybe that's not necessarily directly um, having, having to do with the grief that they're feeling, but I feel, I personally feel like the whole thing is driven by that. I know for lady Percy, at least that's, what's driving this.
0: And there's Mm -hmm. different tactics, right. That are going on. I mean, Mm -hmm. there's one that is, that is okay. You just do what you will, you know, with lady Northumberland and then we get lady Percy. Don't you dare just do what you will, (laughs) you know, a very different tactic. And then, you know, we we have this wonderful um, moment of Northumberland kind of saying to stop reminding me of of my son. I'm I'm. Don't you see that I'm grieving? And then we have you know Lady Northumberland kind of changing tactics mm-hmm. and saying, offering sort of a really good piece of advice. Essentially, get out of this space. You know, it's a as we learn in stage combat, what's the number one defense you can do? is distance right mm-hmm. get away from the danger <laughs> it's like stage combat 101 um and then lady percy comes in with a totally different tactic which is essentially okay think about this why don't you let them try and then if they succeed then go join them but until they do that like <laughs> you know, like step and then off she from has her own her <laughs> own little final moment with with hotspur spirit um But it is, yeah, it it does seem to me to be a a scene in which each speech is a different shifted tactic um, on on the part of the characters. Mm -hmm. Um,
2: They're not a particularly brave family, except for Lady Percy.
4: (laughs) I gasped when Northumberland said, with new lamenting ancient oversights. I'm like, (laughs) Ancient? Excuse me? This just (laughs) happened. (laughs)
1: <laughs> this just it, <in>. yeah
5: <laughs> well it's true Absolutely. and i think that's
1: i think that's part of what lady percy is doing too also being like this exactly this just happened and then <laughs> hey let me paint a picture of who this happened to like yeah. let's not forget and putting it right at the forefront of everybody's mind
0: and there's something to me that's so moving i think like i said before that you know she talks about speaking thick and his strange way of walking uh robin uh our our dramaturg has this wonderful whole series about the way that shake in shakespeare people talk about the way other people walk like in julius caesar for example oh it's casca i do know him by his (laughs) gait, and it's like how (laughs) but people recognize each other from far away by their walk which is just a really fascinating fascinating thing they must have been very observant well but Uh, don't you think Shakespeare
2: was also giving a little direction to actors and what to do how to play absolutely
0: absolutely little internal (laughs) stage directions sprinkled sprinkled around
2: Uh, an interesting walk yeah
0: absolutely I know that weird gate of (laughs) 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 Casca's. that would be really fun um, well, wonderful. Thank you all so much, Northumberland family. I would like to, just because our, our next scene is 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 quite long, I would like to just dive right in. And I think I'll just I'll just pause about halfway through and we'll have a little a little chat before going to the end. And of course I just wanted to point out once again the best name, band name ever, Sneaks Noise, which we're gonna in a second. Hey, Ryan. And an apple, John, just so that we know, is uh, is a kind of apple that was very old and had very shriveled skin, like an apple that had been sitting around for for a while.
8: But, uh, question for you, Ari. Yeah. So so the, the I know it says drawer, like we would say drawer. Yeah. But it, it's essentially drawer, right? Yes, it's like a, exactly. It's like a tapster, right?
0: Yes, a tapster, okay. someone who draws the ale, which was a yes. uh, distinctive job was usually given to the 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 very young young little boys um and the 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 person the more sort of high status job in a tavern was the was the vintner which is sort of the one to do with wine and taking care of the vintages
2: how do you want to Um, say draw drawer?
0: Drawer. Drawer draw is fine draw if there's any uh if there's any Questions, I know there's a lot of whenever we get to a prose scene, there's a lot of archaic language. So if anything comes up and someone goes, mm. OK, what am I saying here? Just uh, we can we can pause and, and talk through it. So fun, everyone. Big old tavern scene. Here we go.
4: What the devil hast thou brought there? Apple Johns? Thou knowest Sir John cannot endure an Apple John.
6: Mass thou say it's true? The prince once set a dish of apple johns before him and told him there were five more Sir Johns, and putting off his hat said I will now take my leave of six dry, of these six dry round old withered knights. It angered him to the heart, but he hath forgot that.
4: Why then cover and set them down, and see if thou canst find out sneak's noise. Mistress Tearsheet would fain hear some music.
6: Dispatch the room where they supped is too hot. They'll come in straight. Sarah, here will be the prince and master poins anon, and they will put on two of our jerkins and
2: aprons, and Sir John must not know of it. Bardolph hath
4: brought word. <laughs> By the mass, here will be old Eutus. It will be an excellent stratagem.
6: <laughs> I'll see if I can find out, sneak.
1: In faith, sweetheart, methinks now you are in an excellent good temporality. Your pulsage beats at as extraordinarily as heart would desire, and your color, I warrant you, is as red as any rose in good truth, la. But in faith, you have drunk too much canaries, and that's a marvelous searching wine, and it perfumes the blood ere one can say, What's this? (laughs) How do you now? Better than I was. Why, that's well said. And good heart's worth gold. Lo, here comes Sir John.
4: When Arthur first in court emptied the Jordan, and was a worthy king. Oh, how now, mistress Dow?
1: Sick of a a calm, yea,
2: good faith.
4: So is all her sect. As they be once in a calm, they're sick.
2: A oh, pox, damn you, you muddy rascal! Is that all the comfort you give me?
4: You make fat rascals, Mrs. Doll. Mrs. I make doll. them.
2: Gluttony and diseases make them. I make them not.
4: The cook helped to make the gluttony. You helped to make the diseases, Doll. We catch of you, Doll. We catch of you. Grant that, poor birds. You grant that. Hey,
2: Mary's joy, our chains and our jewels.
4: Your brooches, pearls, and ouches. (laughs) But to serve bravely is to come halting off, you know, to come off the breach with his pike bent bravely, (laughs) and to surgely bravely, to venture upon the charged chambers bravely. Hang
2: yourself, you muddy conger. Hang yourself. Oh, by my troth, this is the good old
1: fashion. You two never meet, but you fall into some discord. You are both, in good truth, as uh, rheumatic as two dry toasts. You cannot one bear with another's confirmities. What the good year, one must bear and, and that must be you. You are the weaker vessel, as they
2: say, uh, the
1: emptier vessel.
2: Can a weak empty vessel bear such a full hogshead? There's a whole merchant's venture of Bordeaux stuff in him. You have not seen it out better stuffed in the old. Come, I'll be friends with thee, Jack. Thou art going to the wars. And whether I shall ever see thee again or oh, no, there's nobody cares.
6: Sir? <laughs> so ancient pistols below. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> this is
0: so hilarious. Um, thank you all so much. I just wanted to just do one little um just a few of what the malapropisms are because there's quite a few they're just kind of peppered here and there all over um so she says a hostess says you're in a good temporality she means here temper and your pulsage beats uh she means your pulse beats and um when she says it perfumes the blood she is meaning to say it perfuses the blood but i quite like perfumes the blood i think that works that's that's I think that's what happens when we get drunk alcohol perfumes the blood and then when you say sick of a calm she means sick of a qualm poor doll is like very nauseous and then Falstaff makes a pregnancy joke um and um yeah and then the the as rheumatic here meaning choleric um and confirmities here meaning infirmities um, and then we get a whole bunch in this diseases and innuendo section, uh, a lot of, a lot of innuendos. Um, but then in come our swaggerers, or will they? Here we go. So the
6: first drawer comes in. Sir, ancient pistols below and would speak with you.
2: Hang them, swaggering rascal. Tell him not come hither. It is the four-mouthed rogue in England. Oh, if he swagger, let him not come here.
1: No, by my faith, I must live among my neighbors. I'll no swaggerers. I am in good name and fame with the very best. Shut the door. There comes no swaggerers here. I have not lived all this while to have swaggering now. Shut the door, I pray you.
4: Dost thou hear, hostess?
1: Pray ye, pacify yourself, Sir John. There come no swaggerers here.
4: Dost thou hear? It is mine
1: ancient. Tilly-fally, Sir John, ne'er tell me, and your ancient swaggerer a come not in my doors. I was before Master Tick, the deputy the other day, and, and he said to me, which was no longer than uh, go than Wednesday last in good faith, Neighbor, quickly! He say, "Master, uh, master, dumb." Our minister was by then. Uh, neighbor, quickly! He says, "Receive those that are civil." For he said, "You are an ill name." No, uh, so said so. I can tell whereupon. For he says, "You are an honest woman and well thought on." Therefore, take heed with guests you receive. Receive, says he, no swaggering companions. There comes none there comes none here. You would bless you to hear what he said. No, I'll no swaggerers. Oh he's
4: no swaggerer, hostess. A tame cheater and fake. You may stroke him as gently as a puppy greyhound. He'll not swagger with a, a barbary hand if a feathers turn back in any show of resistance. You call him up
1: cheater you call him i will bar no honest man my house nor no cheater but i do not love swaggering by my troth i am the worst when one says swagger feel masters how i how i shake look you i i, I warrant you so you
2: do hostess
1: do i yeah 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 in very truth i do and twere an as and were an aspen leaf i cannot abide swaggerers
4: god save you sir
8: john
4: welcome ancient pistol here yeah, pistol i charge you with a cup of sack you discharge upon mine hostess i will discharge
8: upon her surgeon J- sir john with, with
4: two bullets <laughs> <laughs> she is pistol proof sir you shall not hardly offend her
1: come i'll drink no proofs nor no bullets. I'll drink no more than will do me good, for no man's pleasure I.
2: Then to you Mistress Dorothy, I will charge you. Charge me? I scorn you, scurvy companion. What, you poor base rascally cheating lack linen mate? Away, you mouldy rogue. Away! I am meat for your master.
8: I know you, Mistress Dorothy.
2: Away, you cut purse rascal, you filthy bang, away. By this wine, I'll thrust my knife in your mouldy chaps as you play the saucy cuddle with me. Away, you bottle-ale rascal, you basket hilt stale juggler, you. Since when, I pray you, sir, God's like the two points on your shoulder much. God let me
8: not live, but I will murder your rough
4: No more, Pistol. I would not have you go off here. Discharge yourself of my company, Pistol.
2: No, oh, good Captain Pistol, not here, sweet Captain. Captain. Thou abominable damned cheater, art thou not ashamed to be called captain? And captains were of my mind. They were trunching you out for taking their names upon you before you've earned them. You, a captain, you knave. For what? For tearing a poor horse rough in a bawdy house? He, a captain. Hang him, rogue. He lives upon mouldy, stewed prunes and dried cakes. A captain? Ha! God's like. These villains will make the word as odious as the word occupy. I'm Australian. Which was an excellent, before it was ill-sorted therefore captains had me look to it
8: <laughs> pray thee go down good ancient hark thee hither mistress doll not i i tell thee what corporal Bardolph. off i could tear her <laughs> I'll, I'll be revenged
5: of her pray thee go down
8: i'll see her damned first to Pluto's damned lake, bide his hand to the infernal deep with Erebus and torches, vile also. Hold hook and line, say I. Down, down, dogs, down, fates! Have we not hiring here? <laughs> good captain, peaceful, be quiet.
1: Tis very late in faith. I beseech you now, aggravate
2: your color.
8: These be good humors indeed. Shall pack-horses and hollow pampered jades of Asia, Which cannot but go thirty-mile a day, Compare with Caesars, and with cannibals, And Troian Greeks? Nay, rather damn them with King Cerberus, and let the world get roar! Shall we fall foul for toys? By
1: my troth, Captain, these are very bitter words.
8: Be gone, good ancient! This will grow to a brawl anon. The men like dogs give crowns like pins. Have we not Highland
4: here?
1: <laughs> On oh, my word, Captain! There's no, there's none such here. What the good year? Do you think I would deny her? For
8: God's sake, be quiet. Then feed and be fat, my fair Calipolis. Come give some sack. See si fortuna me tormentes spare thou me contento. Fear we broadsides, no, let the fiend give fire. Give me some sack, and sweetheart, lie thou there. Come we to four points here? And our et is nothing? Kiss you. I would be quiet. Sweet night, I kiss thy knee. Uh, what? We have seen
2: the seven stars. God's sake, thrust him downstairs. I cannot endure such a fustian rascal.
4: Thrust him downstairs? No, we not, Galloway, next. Quite <laughs> him down, bardo like a shrove goat's shilling. Nay, and do nothing but speak nothing, and shall be nothing
8: here. Come get you downstairs. What shall we have incision? Shall we imbue? Then death rock me asleep, abridge my doleful days. Why, then grievous, ghastly, gaping wounds untwine the sisters free. Come, Atropis, I say, Here's goodly stuff toward.
4: Give me my rapier, boy. I
1: pray thee, Jack. I pray thee, do not draw.
4: Get you downstairs.
1: Here's a goodly tumult. I'll I'll forswear keeping house afore. I'll I'll be in the tirates the and frights. So, murder I warrant now. Alas, alas, put up your naked weapons. Put
2: up your naked weapons! I pray thee, Jack, be quiet. The rascal's gone. Are you a little valiant villain? You.
1: Are you not hurt in the groin? Methought I made a shrewd thrust at your
8: belly.
4: Have you turned him out of doors? Yea, hey, sir, the rascal's
8: <laughs> drunk. You have hurt him, sir, in the shoulder.
4: The rascal to brave me.
2: Oh, you sweet little rogue, you. Alas, poor ape. How thou sweat'st. Come, let me wipe thy face come on, you horse in chops! A rogue of faith, I love thee. Oh, thou art as valorous as Hector of Troy, worth five of Agamemnon, and ten times better than the nine worthies, O villain.
4: Rascally name! I will toss the rogue in a blanket.
2: (gasps) Do, and thou darest for thy heart, and thou dost I'll canvas thee between a pair of sheets.
4: The music is come, sir. Listen, play. Play, sir, you sit on my knee, doll, the rascal bragging knave. Throw clad for me to quick quicksilver.
2: If faith and thou followed'st him like a church, thou horse and little and you boar pig <laughs> when wilt thou leave fighting the days and foining a nights, and begin to patch up thine old body for heaven?
4: Peace, good oh, darling, do not speak like a death's head, do not bid me remember mine end.
0: Alright, let's pause there for a second and just digest this amazing total utter chaos that we just witnessed. Beautifully read everyone. Oh my god. And well done, Mike, with your, your double double duty there. That was very fun. That was very fun. Um so tell me, tell me all about doll, Ellen. Tell me about lovely, lovely Dorothy.
2: He hails from both um cockney england and australia <laughs> totally <laughs> appropriate <laughs> totally appropriate yeah 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 i mean she's quite witty isn't she oh yeah um sure. oh are dry cake i really just loved uh, her language and like just really i just wish i could come up with insults like that on the spot like she oh does. yeah <laughs> always 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 wish i could do that i don't know yeah she's a lot of fun isn't she She's, oh, I just adore her. I was trying to figure out where wonderful. her allegiances lie too, but um, it was a bit like it's a bit hard to tell on the page. But
0: yeah, <laughs> yeah, she does like Falstaff quite a bit. But when yeah. when he first comes in, she's like a bit overly drunk, I think. And um, yeah. I've definitely seen productions where the hem is like she's actually vomiting because she's so <laughs> she's ill, um, which is like one sense. interpretation, um but there's i wonder if she's just aggravated by whatever the qualm the nausea of of at the beginning but then as soon as the the ancient pistol which was another name for an ensign for what it's one of so so false staffs the right mm-hmm. and then ensign or ancient is another um is another it's what iago is in othello he's uh right. othello's ensign uh and not his lieutenant as he wanted to be passed over for promotion and does that much damage. Anyway, that's another play. We'll get there. But yeah, so she's, she's really fun, Miss Doll. And um she, she's quite a bit more, I think, worldly than, than the hostess. Like she knows when she's saying right. something dirty, yeah. you know, Um like the canvas you between a pair mm-hmm. of sheets and, and all that, that funness and, I love that she, she talks about Pistol, and she says, he lives upon moldy stewed prunes. <coughs> uh, stewed prunes were um, very much associated with brothels during this time. Um, they were thought to be a cure for venereal diseases. Uh, so there's a very big part in, uh, in measure for measure They're coming in and they go on this whole thing about how somebody wanted a stewed prune and there was the last of the other guy took the last one in the dish, you know, and there's all this like other meaning that's that's going on and that's intertwined into this. But yeah. It's like he lives on these on moldy prostitutes, which is like a a a pretty a pretty horrific image and dried (laughs) cakes. But then I also want to talk about oh my god pistol who is this guy he like it's like he swallowed the iliad or like ovid's metamorphosis and then just like throws up random names as he gets more drunk it's just incredible uh what was your what was your impression of him as you were as you're reading mike
8: (laughs) well he's that he's that guy at the bar right that nobody wants to fucking talk to yeah He, he, he he gets he gets too goddamn drunk and, and he just is, is is spewing out the nonsense that he thinks everybody wants to listen to,
6: yeah. and he's got these yeah. jokes.
8: you know, like everything is discharge, right? And, and yeah. It's, it's got yeah. All these, like the the whole first part of his thing is is just all dick jokes and and yeah. and and, and cum jokes. I mean that that's all that is like the first yeah. several portion of it. So and then he goes into the the like for for the last half of that scene, he he takes the higher route. Yeah, because that's not working. So then he then he starts throwing out all these old Greek references. Yes. Hopefully hopefully they'll come back on his side. It's just bizarre. <laughs> Fantastic character. And then you speak Italian. I I think you might be the only the oh, only it's a, um It's a combination, I think, of Italian, Latin and French. Yeah. And so, which makes it even funnier like, because he doesn't really Yeah. Doesn't so, even really know.
0: And this seems to be his motto because he repeats it quite a few times during oh, yeah. the and which sort of this roughly translates line, to, like, if fortune torments me, hope contents me, um, yeah. which is a, an odd thing to um, to say. But perhaps Pistol doesn't have a um, a lot of luck with fortune. Um, really? Interesting to note, just in terms of the histories of this character, that in the next play, in Henry V, Pistol and Mistress Quickly are married. They've oh, been yeah. married. So it was like, that was a quick turnaround from like, oh, can't abide no swaggerers to like, he becomes very, very proud uh, that he's now kind of like the innkeeper. Um, But it is, yeah, it is quite, quite funny. But yeah, all of these, the Atropos and um, Cerebus, which, you know, our generation will always know as Fluffy because it's the three headed dog uh, from Harry Potter. And just like all of these callipolis like you're not just going for the great hits of the Greek myths you're also going for the ones that are way back in the appendix that like nobody has sort of touched for a while um, but it, it really is he's just kind of a singular character we, we we don't ever meet another character that's quite this pistol like this this kind of wild and I and I I do wonder why he appears in this play Um, just in terms of we've already got a lot of big personalities in this play. And it's like, somehow we needed the biggest one. I, I'm not quite sure. I was wondering if anyone had any thoughts, thoughts about that. Um, I
4: can't shake the feeling that it's like they had a big hit with Falstaff and sold a lot of sweatshirts and posters. And now they're introducing, Pistol, like yeah, Cousin Oliver, the, the big, even bigger because it's weird that uh, Falstaff takes such a backseat to him it's in this so scene. True. It's like, and now introducing
8: Pistol. Yeah,
4: you gotta get this back. <laughs> you know, it's weird.
0: You can buy the action figure at intermission. Yeah, very yeah, much. Exactly. I totally agree. It is very odd that Falstaff never sits in the corner, and he definitely kind of at least um verbally disappears a little bit in this in this um in this first part of the scene um (laughs) are you hurt in the groin bit with the hostess (laughs) the poor hostess you were just trying so much to keep the and poor Man. I love that she just gets so flustered and just loses her language, you know. She she all of a sudden she calls him captain, which he's not. That's like jumping about yeah. you know, five ranks, which sets a doll off. Are you a yeah. captain? Oh you cheater. Well you know, and
1: she calls and him Peasel, Peasel Peasel, and then I bespeak you. That's another I bespeak you. Or oh, I'm so sorry, cute. no, it's I I beseech. What I is... beseech you what instead of beseech. Yeah,
0: Instead of beseech you, she, she says beseech you. She, she just messes up lot. her... And then I, I love that she says aggravate your collar instead of moderate, yeah, moderate. your collar. Yeah. Like, <laughs> come on, get more angry, which, you know, then then does make Pistol more more angry. But there's something kind of difficult to even understand about some of pistol's language like wh- who are these pampered jades of asia these like pampered horses that only go 30 miles a day it's just like i don't even they're disdain
8: for the east yeah
0: <laughs> but also just like where does that come from you know where did these where do all of these um uh classical references come from um it's it's just a he's a fascinating little little uh, character here, um, and and then you know I love Falstaff just like oh I looked at him and he ran away where it was probably just like this huge brawl bro- broken furniture everyone's got covered in sack and just a big bar fight and I love that he's like oh he just looked at me and he ran away. Um, <laughs> So then, uh, right around where we stopped, the Prince and Poins enter and they're wearing their, their, their aprons and the leather jerkins. Um, and they're going to overhear this conversation um, between Falstaff and Doll. And I think it's very much up to interpretation whether Doll knows that they're there or not. There's an argument to be made either way. Like, why does she suddenly start asking questions about the Prince and Poins? When they happen to enter, um, I think there's definitely a possibility that someone uh, told her that they were coming, and she was like doing the prompt just as they told the drawers at the beginning of the scene—the sweet little drawers. Wonderful. So let us uh, read to the end of this of this fun scene.
4: Peace, good doll. Uh, Do not 44. speak like a deathhead. Do not bid me remember mine end.
2: Sarah. What humour's the prince of uh, good,
4: shallow young fellow, and would have made a good pantler. I would have chipped bread well,
2: hmm. they say Poins has a good wit
4: he a good wit, <laughs> hang him, baboon, his wit is his wit's as thick as Tewksbury mustard. there's no more conceit in him than is in a mallet.
2: Mm, why does the prince love him so, then?
4: Uh, because her legs are both of a bigness, and a place that quite well, and eats conger and fennel, and drinks off candles' ends for flat dragons, and rides the wild mare with the boys, and jumps upon joint stools, and swears with a good grace, and wears his boots very smooth, like unto the spine of the leg, and breeds no bait with telling of discreet stories, and such other gamble faculties uh, as that show a weak mind and an able body. For, wh- for the which the prince admits it, for the prince himself is such another. The weight of a hair will turn the scales between the avoirdupois.
7: Would not this knave of a wheel have his ears cut off?
2: Let's beat him before his whore.
7: Look where the withered elder hath not his pole clawed like a parrot.
2: Not strange that desire should so many years outlive performance. Kiss me, doll.
7: Saturn and Venus this year in conjunction? What say the almanac to that?
2: Look whether the fiery trigon his man be not lisping to his master's old tables, his notebook, his council keeper
4: Thou dost give me flattering boosters.
2: By my troth, I kiss thee with a most constant heart.
4: I am old, I am old.
2: I love thee better than I love ever a scurvy young
4: boy of them all. What stuff wilt have, Kirtler? I shall receive money a Thursday, shall have a cap tomorrow. A merry song, come, it grows late. Will to bed. Don't uh, oh, forget me when I am gone.
2: By well, my troth, thou set me a weeping, and thou sayest so. Prove that ever I dress myself handsome till thy return. Well, hearken at the end.
4: There is some fact, Francis. Anon. Anon. anon, anon, sir. Ah, ha, ha! A
7: bastard son of the king, and hast thou his brother? Why, thou globe of sinful continents, what a life dost thou lead?
4: Better than thou, I am a gentleman. Thou art a drawer.
7: (laughs) Very true, sir. And I come to draw you out by the ears.
4: Oh,
1: the Lord, preserve thy grace! By my troth, welcome to London. Now the Lord bless that sweet face of thine. Oh, Jesu, are you come from Wales?
4: Thou horse and mad compound of majesty, by this light flesh and corrupt blood thou art welcome.
2: How? You fat fool? I scorn you. My lord, he will drive you out of your revenge and turn all to merriment if you take not
7: the heat. You horse and candle, mine, you. How vilely did you speak of me now before this honest, virtuous, civil gentlewoman?
1: God's blessing of your good heart, and so she is by my troth.
7: Did thou hear me? Yea, and you knew me as you did when you ran away by Gad's hill. You knew I was at your back, and spoke it on purpose to try my patience.
4: No, 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 not so. I did not think thou wast written hearing.
7: I shall drive you then to confess the willful abuse, and then I know how to handle you. No abuse,
4: sir. Oh, my honor, no abuse.
7: Not to dispraise me and call me pantler and bread-chipper? And I know not what.
4: No abuse, Al. No abuse? No abuse, Ned. In the world, honest Ned, none. I dispraised him before the wicked, that the wicked might not fall in love with thee, in which doing I have done the part of a careful friend in a true subject. My father is to give me thanks for it. No
7: abuse,
4: Al. none, Ned. none, no, faith, boys, none.
7: See now whether pure fear and entire cowardice doth not make thee wrong this virtuous gentlewoman to close with us. Is she of the wicked? Is thine hostess here of the wicked, or or thy boy of the wicked, or or honest Bardolph, whose zeal burns in his nose of the wicked?
2: Answer, thou dead elm,
4: answer.
7: The fiend has pricked down Bardolph irrecoverable,
4: and his face is Lucifer's privy kitchen, where he doth nothing but roast malt-worms. For a boy, there is a good angel about him, But the devil blinds him, too. For the women? For one of them, she's in hell already, and burns poor souls. For the other, I owe her money. And whether she be damned for that, I know not.
1: No, I warrant you.
4: No, I think thou art not. I think thou art quit for that, Mary. There's another indictment upon thee for suffering flesh to be eaten in thy house. Contrary to the law for which, for the which I think thou wilt howl.
1: I have to ask, how do you say this next word? Victuallers.
0: Victuallers. This is like a tavern owners.
1: All victuallers do so. What's a joint of mutton or two in the whole Lent?
7: You, gentlewoman.
1: What says your grace?
4: Grace says that which is flesh rebels against.
1: Who knocks loud at the door? Look to the door there, Francis.
7: Peto. How now? What news?
2: The king, your father, is at Westminster, and there are twenty weak and weary posts come from the north. And as I came along, I met and overtook a dozen captains, bareheaded, sweating, knocking at the taverns, and asking everyone
6: for Sir John Falstaff.
7: By heaven's points, I feel me much to blame, So idly to profane the precious time, When tempest of commotion, like the south, Born with black vapour doth begin to melt, And drop upon our bare unarmoured heads. Give me my sword and cloak. Falstaff, good night.
4: Now comes in the sweetest morsel of the night, and we must hence and leave it unpicked. More knocking at the door? How now, what's the matter?
8: You must away to court, sir. Uh, Presently, a dozen captains stay at door for you.
4: Pay the musicians, sir. Uh, Farewell, hostess. Farewell, doll. You see, my good wenches, how men of merit are sought after. The underserver may sleep when the man of action is called on. Farewell, good wenches. If I be not sent away, post, I will see you again ere I go.
2: I cannot speak. If my heart be not ready to burst, well, sweet Jack, have a care of thyself.
4: Farewell, farewell.
2: Well, fare thee
1: well. I have known thee these twenty-nine years come peace card time, but an honester and truer-hearted man. Well, fairly thee well.
8: Mrs.
1: Teresheet! W- what's the matter?
8: Did Mrs. Tearsheet come to my master?
1: Oh, oh, run, doll, run, run, good doll. C- come, she's she comes blubbered, yay. Will you come, doll? All right.
0: So we've got our, our, our resolution, Falstaff's off to the wars and um, we don't quite know where Hal's off to actually. <laughs> it's a bit unclear. All right. So any sort of observations or, or questions about the sort of second half of the tavern
4: scene? I was Hi. just thinking at the end there that maybe there might be, and I don't know, but Ellen had asked earlier about, um, whether it was a loaded question about, you know, whether or not the hostess knows that that he could be playing like behind the backs of the other one. Like he says farewell twice. And he's like, yeah. you know, sort of like letting each of them think that she's the one that he's yeah. interested in. Um, I don't know how that would play on stage or not, but it just seems like that could be going on.
0: Oh, absolutely. And that he calls them his, his good wenches and, I love like everyone's the reason all these people are are all these captains are like banging on the tavern doors is because like Falstaff should have left London like a week ago to go and get new recruits <laughs> and like get to the battle and they're 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 all looking after him, not because he's done something good and so his his incredible way of spinning it is like Oh, good wenches, we, we men of, of, you know, we uh, us good men are so sought after, and it's just like such a brilliant turn of the situation for him.
7: Did they not, um, did they not learn after the last time they let Falstaff get recruits? Oh, right. <laughs>
0: exactly. Exactly. Like all of his, there's not three of his 150 left alive. Those poor, <laughs> those poor soldiers. Um, I also love this this the drinks off candles ends for flap dragons Mm. Um, this is I had to look this one up flap dragons were were like snap dragons so they would put these small burning objects in like a floating in liquor and you had to try and drink the liquor and not get burned as you were it was like a drinking game (laughs) which sounds like it would be very painful and would probably result in getting in a lot of burns on your face Um, but apparently this is the kind of, this is the kind of thing that, that Falstaff is associating with the young, the young drunks. Um, and the, the conger, which is something that's mentioned quite a few times in this scene, was a, a sort of type of, um, a sea eel that was, that was pretty common to be eaten. So conger and fennel, um, was it, was apparently a popular dish, which, um, maybe it was quite good. I, just, I don't know if you can hear this crazy rain on my on my roof.
8: That's that. It's I was wondering intense. where that was coming from. That's the rain from from where yeah. you are. Yeah. <laughs> I thought I was having like an audio issue. I'm so sorry. It's no. no it's kind it's, of it's it's pouring down. It is
0: just. It is the cloud is ringing itself out. It is just extraordinary. And and this the Saturn and, and Venus. Uh, little little thing, I, I, I love that, that Falstaff is Saturn, which was a planet that was associated very much with moroseness and melancholy, and um, and of course Dahl is Venus, who's uh, you know the planet associated with love and fertility and um, and and beauty, um, and it, they they're not frequently in conjunction. So this this um you know this the, these are all
4: of course these. I'm being compared to a planet.
0: Of course, I mean, of course. <laughs> well, and then you're called a globe of sinful continents. I mean, it's like you just can't ever catch a break here. Um, no, Ariana, who do you think has the best insult? Oh, in that's heart. such a that's such a good question. Oh man, I'm probably gonna say one of a. Uh, he lives upon moldy stewed prunes just because i think that is is such a horrific insult on like visually and also like what it means so i'm going to say doll cuz she just she just she gets going uh, more than more than anyone with her, with her yeah, insults on. to pistol i think <laughs> that would be my vote that would be my vote <laughs> um well wonderful this is a very different um very different tavern scene than the one in part one. It uh, very much like this play. I think part one has has a sort of more linear plot structure. It's it's very focused around everyone reacting to Hotspur and the rebellion. And I, I do feel that that this play and this play so far is very sort of episodic. Like it's about these little character encounters sort of uh, a bit more like as you like it which to me it's like Once we get into the forest. It's like the plot doesn't really matter It's really about these amazing little character interactions. Yeah, I just there, there's something about this tavern scene That's like even less of a driven narrative than the than the big famous tavern scene in in, in part one there's just like these little we get these character vignettes that all kind of connect that they would all be happening in the tavern, but I, I don't know. There's something a little bit less driven to me about about this play so far, um, in terms of plot. That that's my observation after getting through these these two these
8: two acts. Is it our fault?
0: No, not at all. <laughs> not at all. Oh my God, Mike! Not at
7: it, all. Just <laughs> yours, Mike. Don't just lie to me.
0: No abuse, well, Mike. Well, None. No abuse, Mike. I none, it to
7: Mike. Be my none. Fault.
0: <laughs> no, it just—I—I I don't know. There's something. It's like if you were to sum up the plot of the play so far, I—I I don't think it would be quite as clear as part <clears throat> one. Somehow.
8: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um,
6: I will say
7: for Hal, at least he tries to start recreating the previous tavern scene. Yeah. The—the the big one. And he starts to, like, at first it feels kind of mirthless, and then he starts to get into it, and then he's reminded of his father. Yeah. It's like he's sucked out of, he tries to be that, that, I don't know, man with two sides, and then he's reminded of his father's death, you know, and his own ascent and his sadness. yeah.
0: Well, and it's such a stark opposite uh, reaction to how he reacted to the nobleman pounding at the door in part one, who is coming to say, like, you're needed at court, and Hal didn't even show up at the door. He sent Falstaff out to deal with him, and now it's like, something's going on at court and immediately is like oh my god what am i doing here you know it's a very it's a very different character than we had in part one i think
7: which is also like a a reminder of his oath to his father yeah that he makes
0: be more myself yeah and
7: and hotspur's death i'll use hotspur's death to ascend to who you think i should be
0: yeah absolutely i think there would
4: be something merciless about it because it's like it's like you can't go home again and it's like yeah. you're trying to, and like you were—I don't know—like a high school reunion or something. It's like, yeah, yeah this just isn't the same, you know. Yeah.
0: So, don't try and force it, people.
4: <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, something poignant about it too. And, yeah. yeah,
0: and actually, I—I I think one of my favorite lines in this whole thing is—is Falstaff's, "I am old, I am old." You know, it's—it's it's such a. There's something so simple and 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 quite, quite poignant about that moment, especially after his interactions with the Lord Chief Justice so far, where he's claimed to be quite spry and youthful. There is there is <clears throat> something of, there's a, an intimate moment we get there with Falstaff and Dahl, I think. Well, wonderful. Thank you, everyone.